Good morning, diving straight in. This is part two, part one was last week. If you didn't hear part one, please go back, hear it today. It makes more sense for today, but Mark 12 is where we've been last week and this week, verse 28 to 34. Are you ready? Are you ready? There's gonna be some moments today that are gonna be a little, ooh, and there are gonna be some moments today that make you go, ah. You get to decide which, here we go. Mark 12, 28 to 34, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This 10-week series, the initial plan was for us to journey through the whole Gospel of Mark and get to the final closing chapters by today. We're not even near, but we're still finishing. The whole point of along the way was, as we journeyed through along the way, we were parking the bus where we felt we had to park it. And we spent time where we found, felt we had to spend it. And then no more so than when last week we were all prepared and I was like, literally last Sunday morning in the moment, I can't do this in one message. It has to be two. So we end the series with the most important thing. You thought I could have planned it that way, I didn't. What matters most out of everything in the Gospel of Mark, everything, Jesus declares the most important thing. The most important thing. So to spend two weeks on it is probably not enough, but it's the most important thing. And last week when we talked about loving God with all of our heart, that's commitment, conviction, decision, heart, not a divided heart, a heart devoted to God, with all of our soul, that's about my purpose and meaning and intention, my emotions connected to it. There's meaning and purpose with all my soul. Why do I live? Who do I live for? Why do I do what I do? All my soul with all my mind is my focus, my thinking, my learning, my understanding. But I love God with that. And then finally with all my strength, my physical being. How I love God with all of my physical being. And loving God is an expression of worship that includes corporate worship, personal worship, and every single part of our lives. How's that been going this week? Proved it last week. Thank you. Many of you were very encouraging. That was awesome. That was super challenging. I like hearing that. And how has your 
loving God with all shifted this week? Or is it same old, same old? Have you made any adjustments? Any tweaks? Any changes? Any challenges? Because we should. I, I made a decision that I decided to designate specifically the 10-minute drive that I have from my house to the gym five mornings a week, that 10-minute drive, I can't get out of it because my wife's a coach and she's waiting there. Anyway, that's so I, I, what do I do with those 10 minutes? And at times I've had worship music on, at times I've had an audio book on that I'm going through, at times I've had nothing at all, but I just thought, you know what, my mind and my my mind and my body are in conflict. I don't want to go to the gym. I have to go to the gym. My mind is in conflict. There's things ahead of the day, the worries of this world. Different things are there. But I just thought, I'm going to intentionally have two songs set up for me to praise. Not a worship song that is, Lord, fill me, help me. They are critical and needed. But I wanted one that just got me declaring praise specifically, to start my day when I leave the house with praise and adoration and to bring all things under the divine alignment needed. And that's what I've been doing. It's been amazing. I actually think my workouts have benefited. I've arrived a little bit more awake. You know, I just, just, but just really focusing in. And that's simple. I'm just saying to you, we can't say to God, I choose to love you without making any adjustment. Make an adjustment. What is that? Not because you want to score points with God, but because you just want to enter into the fullness that Jesus stated it's the most important because it's the most important. And he loves you. Now we get to part two, verse 31. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Here's why I couldn't squeeze it in last week. That love your neighbor as yourself, pretty much the whole world will agree with. Believing in God or not believing in God. So big deal. I want to focus in on this today, though, because there's a reason it's the second. But it's still important. Now, when Jesus said that, the original audience listening, especially this scribe, he is versed in Torah, in Old Testament, as it's, we now call it. He's totally versed in it. Whatever Jesus was saying, he was hearing it, and he was attaching everything Jesus was saying to Scriptures. It's the way their mind worked. He was hanging it on things all along. So whenever Jesus said anything, in those days, the teachers of the law, the scribes, the Sanhedrin, would have known the full picture of what Jesus is saying. So when Jesus says the first and the most important is this Shema from Deuteronomy 6, yes, it's true, but then he adds one. Jesus could have added an option of any of the 613. And he adds this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when he says it, the people hearing it, especially this guy, didn't just hear that. They heard the full verse in context. It's what's called in rabbinical teaching a remez. And a remez, and they're full of them in the New Testament. Jesus says something and people got angry. Seems a bit of an overreaction. It's because what he says is a section of a bigger scripture. And in and around that scripture is the poke. 
and the context of it all. And here we have one. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he is quoting Leviticus 19.18. It's on the screen. Here's the full verse. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love, the love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Oh. There's a context of love your neighbor as yourself. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. Comforting, but not comforting to know that even then, and especially in Jesus' time, seeking revenge, bearing grudges, sectarianism, breaks, division, all kinds of disagreements were all taking place in the people who said they love God. It was all taking place. And Jesus leans in, and out of all the commands, he leans in and he goes, so do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the love your neighbor as yourself has got some teaching to it, but we can't ignore what Jesus was fully saying. Some of you in here are still bearing grudges. And maybe you feel justified in doing so. Because somebody did something, said something, didn't do something, didn't say something. And it hurt. Some of you are seeking revenge over certain things. And you want justice, 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 but not grace. Jesus is stepping in and going, it's killing you. It's actually killing you. But love your neighbor as yourself. And, and we're going to unpack the why of that and even the how-to of that today. But we're going to the Word of God and we're seeing it. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And so many people go through life with the rust of our bodies, which is bitterness. And we invite that in by seeking revenge, by bearing a grudge, and by not forgiving. Unforgiveness, always, the fruit of unforgiveness is always bitterness. And bitterness will rot your bones. And we see it and we experience it. And Jesus has a better way. He has a better way. So, love your neighbor. When this was stated in the Gospel of Luke, the whole commandment, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself, it's then recorded that one of the teachers of the law comes and says, so who is my neighbor? Who, who are you talking about, Jesus? So who is my neighbor? Who am I to be like this with? And Jesus then gives the parable of the Good Samaritan, straight off the back of it. I thought about teaching on that today. Got a ton of stuff we can go in. Didn't need to, because let me just paraphrase it, dead simple. The main point, and some of you don't get this, the main point of the parable of the Good Samaritan is this. The person in the story that Jesus was highlighting wasn't the Samaritan. It was you. You are the one who's been beaten up and robbed and left on the side of the road. How do you feel about this person who you despise, who you disagree with, who you think is unworthy? How do you feel about them helping you? How do you feel about them being a conduit of the grace of God? How do you feel about them who you have excluded and you don't even believe a God follows? How do you feel about them treating you? And Jesus highlights this and the behavior and posture. He's just revealing it and going, guys, this separation and division and all of this stuff, it's got to stop. It's not part of my kingdom. 
It's not part of my kingdom. So love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Now, some people say it says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm, it doesn't actually say that. It just says love your neighbor as yourself. Because some of you don't love yourself. So you think I've got a pass on that. No, but you fed yourself today. So feed others. You clothe yourself today. So clothe others. You have shelter today. Provide shelter for others. You have transport today. Provide transport for others. You learn today, so help others learn. You came to worship Jesus today, so help others worship Jesus today. This is not rocket science. This is, this is the overflow. It's just overflow. But the whole scriptures have it. Consider others more important than yourself. This, this is just a simple posture of a follower of Jesus. Do, do we even think that way? He's leaning in and he's going, this matters. And the reality is we make the declaration, love God, I'm going to love God, I'm going to love God, therefore my life is about seeing others come to love God. Is it not? We're going to lean in through the summer and into the fall heavily as a church on what does it really mean to be a person who is making disciples. It's not me get discipled. Who am I helping come to follow Jesus? Who am I helping follow Jesus? And you think, well, I don't know enough to follow Jesus. No, you don't get a pass. You know this much? Well, you help that person with this much follow Jesus. And guess what will happen? You'll suddenly grow. The whole culture and concept of it we use the word discipleship and people think it's a Bible study. It's not. It's not. It's I'm following Jesus and as I follow Jesus, come follow Jesus. Now that includes obviously studying the word of God. But we've defined, oh I go to this class because that's my discipleship. No, your discipleship is making disciples. What does that really look like? And Jesus is overflowing all of this. This is, this is why it flows into the Great Commission. It doesn't just stop here. And so that whole heartbeat of loving your neighbor as yourself is just, hey, get rid of the mirror and put a window there instead. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to just, let me just nerd out a little bit, just for five minutes, okay? That's what I'm saying about read your Bible slower, have a look at it, because I think it's important. Jesus says this in response to this scribe's question. And then the scribe, the teacher of the law, part of the Sanhedrin, he has a response. In his response, he quotes seven scriptures from five different books of the Bible. Because this is his world. Now, I don't want us to miss the why of that, but he has a response. And that response in turn causes Jesus to go, I think you're getting it, buddy. You're closer. So suddenly we think, oh, he's trying to catch Jesus out. Not this guy. This guy says some things that make you go, oh, I want to go there, but then lean in for the rest of my message on what, do, what does it look like for us today and tomorrow to love God with everything and love others, love our neighbor as ourself, what it does mean and what it doesn't mean. It's really important. So here's the response, verse 32. I'll go quick-ish. So Jesus says this, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Well said, teacher, the man replied. 
You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. It's quoting Deuteronomy 6. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength. Quoting Deuteronomy 6 again. And to love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19, 18. They are more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. What? Why is he bringing that up? It's because of who he is. As part of the Sanhedrin, the reality of him managing and manipulating and controlling and being very legalistic on all people on what it was to bring offerings and sacrifices. They were big on this. You want to earn God's this? Bring this sacrifice. Bring it this way, this time, this place, these offerings. They were very, very rigid on all of this. This was their big passion. And all of a sudden, this guy says, they are more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. He's quoting two Old Testament scriptures. First one, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. He's hearing Jesus, and because he know, he's going, I need to realign things. It isn't that the burnt offerings and sacrifices were not valuable, but when we place certain performance action things above love God and love others it's out of alignment when we prioritize some things higher than others even in our walk with Jesus let me go to the Hosea 6 6 quote which he does as well he's quoting Hosea 6 6 for I desire mercy not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God that's an English way you could say but Honoring God, worshiping God, loving God, putting God first, but acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God first before your burnt offerings. We have got to be really careful, and we've all been here. We sometimes put a thing, a principle, a behavior, a posture, a cultural context to something first, then love God and love others. We may lead with, but here's my cause. We're going to lead with a specific social cause. And all that people hear is that, not love God and love others. They hear that first. We've prioritized. Or we decide to say, we need to have this way. This is where we get denominationism and division and all kinds of stuff. Well, you don't do it this way. You don't do it that way. You can't start with that. You can't start with a slow song. You have to start with a fast song. You can't pray this short, this long, this version, that version, blah, 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 blah. All the while, this guy responds and goes, all those things are there, but I have got them out of order. What God really wants, what is more important than my offerings and sacrifices is my love for God. That's what matters most, and loving others. He's defining it. He's saying it. And for him to say it from his worldview at that time and his behavior is wow. That's why Jesus responds and says, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of bit more he's still encouraging him along the way he doesn't respond and go hmm eight out of ten almost buddy see ya it's like oh wow 
God's working in this guy's heart and soul and mind and strength. Now, me and you today, what, is it, what does it mean to love others as yourself? Like, really? Here's, here's the challenge. If we don't have a priority of love God first, this second statement is powerless. In fact, I'm going to say this. Love others as yourself, you could be a humanist. Don't need God to do that. Love others as yourself. Just love others. In fact, you could go on a campaign all over the world, every culture, and go, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think about if we loved others as ourselves? Good idea? You won't get pushback. You may get to, well, depends who. You know, those people? Well, there's a challenge with that. You won't get pushback. But what we have done, and let me just help you with this a little bit, and I, I look at parts of my life and go, I got this the wrong way around. We have gone, we've got to love others, then love God. Or we've even said, no, I, the way I love God is, you know, by loving others is, you know, me showing God that I love him. It's subtle. Loving others is the overflow, absolutely clearly, as I love God with everything. The overflow is I love others. But if I don't focus on loving God, then how I love others is going to be warped. It's going to be warped. I'm, I'm going to press into it a little bit. In this full context of this great commandment, love is not a feeling, it's not a thinking, it's not a good intention, and it's not even a position on a social situation you're in. It's not. Love categorically here is an expression and an action. It's an expression and an action. Clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love them. But by my action and expression, I don't. Now, let me put it this way. I love God, but by my expression and my action, how much? I love God. It's an expression and an action. And Jesus is leaning in, and he leans in more, and you'll hear shortly, on the significance of that. Listen, friends, loving others as ourselves is not the goal. That's not the goal. The commandment is to love God with everything. And you'll love others as yourself. Love God with everything is the command. When we decide to say the goal is loving others, we've missed it. The goal of all of life is he is my king, he is my goal, he is my glory. That's the goal. The loving others is an expression and an action flowing from that. When we don't have it that way around, that's when we get into real messy situations because you'll get people saying, but you're told to love everybody. You're told to love me. Even if you don't like my position on things, you don't like my behavior, you don't like my lifestyle choices, you don't like, you don't like, but you've still got to love me. Just love me, accept me, get over it, and your God tells you to do that. You can sit with that. Christopher Hitchin was a well-known atheist He's, he passed away. He would often, in debating with people of faith, use this one-liner that often would floor them. And he would say, so tell me now, this, you, you, you're people of faith following God. Tell me one thing that you can do in your life with God that I cannot. 
without God. Tell me one thing. Love others, I can do that. Give to others, I can do that. Sacrifice my possessions, I can do that. Go to marginalized people, I can do that. Love on untouchable people, I can do that. Forgive somebody else, I can do that. Tell me one thing that you, people of faith, can do that me as an atheist cannot do. And it would floor people. This is how we'd miss the mark so easily because it's a really easy answer. It's a really easy answer. The one thing that I can do that you, apart from God, cannot do is love God and worship God. That's the one thing. The very source of your being created in the image of God is give value and worship the one God who created me. You cannot do that. All morality flows from that. I said this last week. Sin is always defined by a failure to worship God first. All sin, all immorality, all things in the world that are not good, all things flow from the people or the person deciding not to put God first. Do the work on that if you want. Look at everything in and around your life or even go to the edge of the world if you want to and look at it and see what is not good and go, so what caused that? Because the people, the person did not put God first. Flows from there first. So Jesus saying the most important one, but it's not just love God. What does that look like? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We'll get to the first John text afterwards, but this is the action. So it's going to be expressed, and there has to be an action. Now, some of you, your dashboard is flashing. Yeah, but, Des, yeah, but. So here we go. Loving others as yourself in the context of loving God first means this. Loving others without compromising or decreasing my love for God. How do I love others without compromising or decreasing my love for God? So that's where that sits in. So where you have a situation where people are in disregard for God, in a part of their world or their life, and we're called to love them, here's the challenge. I wrote the sentence down because I've heard this sentence and you'll hear it a lot. Often, loving others appears to be a pathway of approval. In fact, people will want you to create that pathway. They will want you to go, well, your God tells you that you have to love me. Can we create a pathway of approval and agreement of my life? Because your God tells you that you have to love me. The answer to that question is yes and. Don't lead with a yes but. See, when we go with somebody addresses that situation and you go, yeah, 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 he does, but you've suddenly gone like that. And they're ready for the <clears throat> pushback. But when you go, yes, and, 
Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The yes and. And here we have this. So here this, this, this is gold, okay? Your God tells you that you have to love me. And what they're saying is you have to accept me. You have to agree. You have to give approval. Don't judge me. Don't reject me. Don't blah, 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 me, 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 okay? Yes, our God does tell us that we have to love them. Don't miss that. You are commanded to love them. We don't get a pass on that. Oh, yeah, no, but no, we get a pass. We don't have to love those people. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but the way I love them is I cut them off. Hmm. Okay, I'll say it now. I'm going off peace a few times today, but I'm, I'm okay with that. So when Jesus is walking through this town called Jericho, he's wandering down one day and he looks up in a tree and he sees a guy. And the guy represents a whole group of people whose life and lifestyle and morality and choices and value for living is in absolute violation of the word of God and standard of God. Absolutely. In fact, they were known for it. They were absolutely separated. And by the people of God, they were severely disapproved of. And Jesus sees such guy. And he's walking through the town. And he sees him and he goes, you are an abomination, go to hell. <laughs> oh, that's not what your Bible says, is it not? No, mine. He sees him. And he loves his father. And he has compassion on him. And he reaches out and he says, let's go for a walk, dude. All the way to your house. I'm going to have dinner in your house. Let's talk. We don't know how long he was there for. Some scholars believe he was there for quite some time, days. All we know is there's a Jesus encounter with Zacchaeus. And salvation comes to his house. Jesus loved Zacchaeus as himself. At no point was there approval, agreement, but I was on the outside would have been, oh, because he did. Jesus got judged for that. What is he doing allowing a prostitute, a woman of the night, to wash his feet? What is he doing? Because Jesus looks beyond. And his heart is love God, love others. But it's not approval. It's not agreement. But what he's doing, his overflow for the love of God first goes into the love of others. And here's the deal. So your God tells you, you have to love me and you say, yes, he does, and because I love my God first, I don't desire to bring anything that offends or sin into this relationship. I care. Because he is first, I don't want to violate him, but I am called to love you, and I'm going to choose to love you, but I don't want to invite sin into that. Because I love my God first. And I'm going to love him first and in turn love you as myself. And in loving myself, I desire what is best for my life. And what is best for my life is my King Jesus. And he has what is best for me. So I desire that for you. Well, should we go on a journey together? 
if a situation, and I'll say this in all relationship, it's like there's two people and there is a plumbing thing, there's a pipe connection. You can be the one to cut the pipe if you want. But a connection has been made. It is my role to flow from that pipe, overflow of my heart to that person. Now, they'll try and send some stuff back. But I'm called to love others the way that Christ loved me. I'm called to do that. That's what I'm called to do. Whether they accept or receive, what is that to you? But you're called to love them. And I'm raising this because sometimes we think the right thing to do is to go, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm called to love. It's not approval. It's not agreement. It's not even fully, oh, yeah, I'm going to know. But I'm going to lead with grace because grace opens a door and truth storms in. You need both. You need both. And that's a challenge, but I love God first, therefore I desire I don't desire to bring sin into this situation, into this relationship. I'm going to honor God first, honor God first, but I am commanded to love. I am commanded to love. And that's messy and that's hard. Now, Jesus then leans in in other parts, and this is where I want to go quick today with a really important thing. Jesus just doesn't end it with that. He then speaks to his disciples and says, so this love others thing, I'm going to tell you where it needs to start. This is where you need to get good at this the best. In fact, if you get really good at this and you fully embrace it and you fully become fluent in it and it becomes an overflow of your heart naturally, the world is going to look at you lot and go, let me in. Let me in. So we'll go there. John 13, 34 and 35. We hear John 13, 34 all the time and we leave it there. Don't. You've got to add 35. It's critical. John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They're already following Jesus. They're there. He says, okay, guys, I've got another one. Love me, love others. So let me put it this. This is where we get this right first. This is where it matters a lot. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You can't stop there because he gives a why. He then says why. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The reason that we are to love one another the same way that Christ loved us is so that they in turn know who we belong to. They know where that love's come from. That's the whole point. Love God first. They know who we belong to and where it's come from. There was once a people who loved one another so much that the Lord was adding to their number thousands daily those who were being saved. The way in which they were living with and for one another was an unstoppable force and an outbreak of the kingdom of heaven forged. And the ripple effect we still receive the blessing of to this day. But Jesus is saying, if we can't, we've got to get it right here. Bride, my church, my people, love one another. So that when people are searching and desperate, they'll see a people and go, I want what she's got. What is it about these people? But sadly, when we view the church all too often, do they see a palms open posture or a fist clenched posture? What do they view? In my life. 
When people see my life and the people I engage with, do they see a person who's a palms open guy or a fist clench guy? Because my king had palms open. And, and some of us prefer fist closed. Yeah, but they're not right. I'm so glad that my God's not fair. Because if I got what I deserved, His grace. And truth comes behind and it's challenging, but it's His grace and His love that is so powerful. The same guy who wrote John's Gospel writes the book of Revelation, but he writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Surprise, surprise. And he says in 1 John 4, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The phrase one another is written 100 times in the New Testament. One another, do this one another, 100 times in the New Testament. It's pretty much divided into three sections, a third each. The Greek words, not actually two words, one another, alelon, it's one word. And it's a posture, it's an expression of an action. 100 times, a third of them are love one another, love one another. Another third are about unity, they're about unity. Why? That the world may know that you sent me, that they may be one, Lord. John 17, prayer. Why? So the world may know that you sent me. Because they love one another and are one. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Don't complain and grumble against one another. Be at peace with one another. It's all unity. Unity, unity, unity. I'm just saying, church, the resume of the Western church ain't doing too high on this. And thirdly, the third, third, is about humility and compassion towards one another. Serve one another. Others are more important than yourself. Show humility toward one another. Carry one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. As I said, there's a hundred. I won't go through them all. Jesus lays it out. So how is it that we are to love each other? You don't have to look far, guys. It's there a hundred times. We don't have to look far in loving God and loving others. And he says, get it right here. Get it right here that the world may know. A new command I give you. By this, all men will know that you belong to me by your love for one another. By your love. We, we've, we've wanted to add so much more to the gospel. We wanted to add so much more to what it is to love God. We wanted to add so much more. And Jesus is nailing it. He's going, this is it. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, it seems super simple. Really? Think this way. And I'll, I'll just put it there now. This week, are you prepared every day to wake up and go, okay, Lord, show me who it is that I need to love as you have loved me. Show me who it is by my expression and my action towards them. Not, oh, I just think it. 
And by the way, if you've got some grievances and some forgiveness to do and some revenge issues, they need to be dealt with. Absolutely need to be dealt with. Jesus told us to pray and says, forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Nah, that's not nice. Jesus said it, and he is king. And I put my trust in him and believe him. Pray for one another. There's so many times in the scripture. So, loving God. Loving God and loving others. What would it look like for you to have a fresh revelation in your life that this is what you live for? There's a guy called Scott McKnight wrote a book on it. He called it the Jesus Creed. What if we were to live by the creed of Jesus? Loving God with everything and loving others. <laughs> there you go. Whoa, radical. But seriously, some of us have decided that I'm not loving God by loving these people. No, you've misunderstood the why you're loving them. You love them. You want the Lord for them and to lead them. Don't cut the pipeline. But at the same time, you're not compromising. When people come, oh, you just got to approve. No, I don't. I love my God first. And my love of God first means that I will not violate that love first. But I am commanded to love you. So I will continue to love you as Christ has loved me. And I want the best for you. And the best for you is my king. However long it takes, I will go on that journey. Because that's the way that Jesus did it over and over again. If we're really honest, it's way easier to go, don't like them, cut them off, free life. But what about seeing that my king went to the cross for them? Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. What a radical revolution that would be. And it starts with me. Stop looking around. Oh, what are we doing about that? What are you doing about that? Can we just go there? Like some of you are going to go to a family lunch today and you can't stand some of the people in the room. I know. It's called families. Just take a risk today. Take a risk today. So in closing, I'll read First John 4, some of the verses again. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, Jesus. Help. I'm going to invite prayer partners, elders to come down front now and the band to come back on stage. Come down front. Elders, prayer partners, man, come back on stage. I think it's critical that for some of you, you're like, I need a fresh revelation of what it really means to live as a follower of Jesus. Give my all in worship and as an overflow, love others. Some of you have got some stuff, some hang-ups, some prejudice, some I get it. I'm not asking you to compromise the holiness of God. He is holy. And as a result of that, you don't have to say, I approve, I accept, it's, but I love. And because I love. There needs to be a fresh revelation in your life. Some of you are bearing grudges and seeking revenge. That needs to stop. 
I need to start by making the first stepping stop in today. Some of you've got some unforgiveness stuff going on. Some of you've got some real messy attitudes towards the church. And Jesus said, this is where we start with the one another. So just come and confess. Come for prayer. Come for help with that. Some of you are like, that's really uncomfortable. I've got these people in my life and I, I need the Holy Spirit to give me a fresh revelation to see the love of God that, he, that is for them, but through me, without me compromising my love for God. That's a challenge, guys. Talk about white knuckle ride. Wow. And so that's going to be your response in prayer time today. So let me lead us in prayer. I'm going to sing the song, Same God, today. Oh, God, my God, I need you. How I need you now. I need you now. We need him because we need him. It's his call in our lives. And, don't, and stay to the end. Very last two lines of the song. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Almighty river, won't you fill me again? Because without him, uh -uh. fill me again. Fill me again. Let's pray together. King Jesus, we give our lives to you afresh today and we declare, as for me, we choose to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And you declare, Jesus, that this is important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, we will not bear a grudge. We will not seek revenge. We will offer forgiveness. Will they receive the command you gave us to love one another as you have loved us? And by this, Lord, we declare, trusting in you, believing in you, walking in faith that way. All men will know who we belong to. We belong to the one who can bring forgiveness. We belong to the one who brings salvation. We belong to the one who brings restoration and justification and redemption. We belong to the one true king who loved us so much. He gave his very self for us. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified in our conversations today, in the marketplace tomorrow. But maybe be a, may we be a people who are known by our love for you and our love for others because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.